Welcome to the Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. First of all, I, I just want to say to everybody in this house that, um, and it's not a prophetic word, it's more of a declaration of, of just what I believe this house carries. And I just want to say you guys carry grace well. Grace is extending mercy. It's extending love, especially when people are in a very difficult time. And as we were sitting there and, and um, the ladies were sharing, I was just, I was just the whole thing that was going through my head that if you're broken and hurting, you're in the right place. If you, if you feel hopeless, you're in the right place. If you feel like you've messed up, you're in the right place. If you feel empty inside, you're in the right place. If you've been hurt by church, like most of us in this place, you're in the right place. Not that we do church perfect, but we try to do it real. And um, this place offers so much grace. This house offers so much grace. And sometimes there's so much judgment in church and the thing that we have to be careful of is sometimes the very thing that we can be adamantly against, we can start to become. So I was given a word by Gabrielle last week that was really good. She pulled me aside, and I love her heart. And she says, you can either trash this or take it. <laughs> you always know, oh, man, it's going to be a good one. It's, Sweet, yeah. You can either trash this or take it. <laughs> and then she kept like pushing, pulling me over to a corner. So basically, what she says, the Lord, and I, she's, I, I'm in my how I heard it, and is that I, I have been critical of God's church. And I went, oh. And, and it started to resonate with me that, that there was some criticism. And then I realized that some of it, sometimes we get angry at people when we're really angry at God. And all of a sudden, this stuff started to kind of... So the last two weeks, and this week especially, has just been an unearthing week in, in my heart. And I, I want to encourage you that I will always be vulnerable with you as a leader because... If we're not vulnerable together, nobody can heal. And I think part of the problem with churches is when leaders aren't vulnerable and they don't share their healing process, it doesn't allow people to heal and be vulnerable. And so this week has been especially a difficult week for me because where I believe we are in our current season as believers is God is exposing pain because he wants to heal his people. He will partner with us. He'll partner with us in our brokenness, in our mistakes, but he doesn't want to partner with us and leave us in pain. Because what kind of a father would do that? So sometimes like when you go to the doctor, God's going to push and go, does that hurt? No, does that hurt? No, does that hurt? No, that hurts. Like, okay. We're going to expose it before we can heal it. I grew up um, with very, two, two brothers that were incredi incredibly athletic, and I was very sedentary and overweight. 
made fun of a lot growing up because I was the fat kid. And I kind of grew up, Shelly, begging me to do something back when we were first married to get healthy. I was on all kinds of blood pressure medications and, and stuff inside of me. It was like I went, when I went to counseling, some of you have heard my journey about going through counseling a few years ago. My counselor said, you're like a duck on the water. You're just like everybody sees you swimming along, but you're paddling like hell under the water. And I went, whoa. And so deep in my heart was this broken little boy that desperately needed affirmation that I didn't get. And, and part of what the Lord's been stirring up in my heart is sometimes affirmation, when we don't go to the Lord to get it, and we do need to get it from God's people. We all have love languages, but God is ultimately the one that will fulfill those love languages. And he, there's some he can't that he has to fill through people because for one is physical touch. If God touches us, we would die. But sometimes he touches you through a hug from someone else. So the Lord began to unearth this in my heart. He's saying that sometimes when a love language, when it becomes unhealthy and it starts to drive us. So for instance, if yours is affirmation because you feel horrible about your identity, it can lead to unhealthy affections that can become idolatry. And God's like, I'm the only one that can tell you how valuable you are. So what we all have in common right now in this season, I believe, is God is exposing things in our heart. Not to pick on us, not to be mean, not to say, ha, 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 but to say, I want to take that away from you. Because I want to partner with you to do great things for me. So that's why I said if you are hurting, you're broken, you've lost hope. We sing tonight a lot about, or today a lot about hope. You're in the right place because we're all on this same journey. So God was downloading during worship and he had me change some things this morning. And I want to go to Joshua chapter 5. And this is really crazy. The children of Israel have been wandering 40 years. And here's part of the problem that, that will cause you to lose hope in the situation that you're in. The children of Israel got all these promises from God about the promised land. They were so focused on the destination, they weren't focused on the journey. And what happens is if we focus so much on the destination, not on the journey, we're missing the process because the, des the journey will reveal to us things the destination could never explain. So this journey, they're on this journey, and what did they do the whole time they were on the journey? They criticized God, criticized Moses, and complained. They were, they were angry at God, but they were taking it out on Moses. So they wandered for like 40 years. I think it was a total of about 1,500 miles they traveled in 40 years. And God kept like, I'm going to give you manna, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give He kept meeting, finally the Lord's like, Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the complainers die off. I've done everything I can. Could we be in a season where God's just kind of letting some things in the church die off? Because he wants to rebirth something different? And I realized complaining, and do you know what the word critical means, or critic? It means to rip or to tear the flesh. It's, it's kind of an ugly word. Now, I'm not talking about, like, 
you know, um, confronting in love and calling things out. But, but confrontation has to be in love. And it's what, you know, it's what we, we do as believers with one another. And it's very humbling. And that's why we have to walk in healing because we are in a season where as the family draws closer together to walk, basically what I want to talk about today is unity through humility. Humility is understanding the difference between ownership and stewardship, first of all. Many people get offended when there's been confrontation in love to get clarification because you're in charge. And it hurts sometimes when we've been, someone's shared something with us. But when we understand stewardship, and the Israelites didn't understand that, they were, they were living in ownership. It's about me. Stewardship is, I've been given a body, I've been given this life, and when I come to Jesus and I realize that my life is a gift I'm no longer the owner of me. I'm the steward of me. He's the owner of me. And so things begin to shift. What comes out of my mouth, what I put in my body, how I live. And what really gets crazy is if he is the owner of me, even how I steward my body and how it impacts other people, I'm, I'm held accountable to. What I say, what I do. And really, what's at work, you guys? Here's how ugly this thing is. So God keeps going deeper and deeper in our hearts. That's what he's been doing with me. And he's not doing it. Remember, he's not doing it to condemn us because there is no, con- Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Understand the difference. When, G- when Jesus lives in us, that's salvation. Romans says for those in Christ, when we live in Jesus, that's lordship. Jesus lives in me. He saved me. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's never going to go, I'm done with you, Cindy. He'll always be with you. Where the condemnation, the guilt mess with us is when we walk out from under lordship. That's condemnation. We've, we've left his kingdom and we're in our own kingdom. And he says, I still am with you. But as soon as you repent, you come back under lordship. And there's no condemnation. Condemnation is always when I'm out of lordship. And lordship is that surrender piece, right? So he lets them die off. They're getting, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land. And here's what God says to all the adult males that grew up as kids. Their parents are dying off. Now the next generation is going to go in and take the land. He goes, you're all going to get circumcised. <laughs> and circumcision, without going into detail, we all know what it is. Circumcision basically was God's covenant saying, you are not the owner of you. You're the steward of you, and this is a symbol. I don't understand why God chose circumcision. I think maybe, if anything, it it signifies with God that everything we reproduce should look like the kingdom and look like him. I'm not my own anymore. So circumcision says, I can't live for me. I have to live for him. So he's saying, we're, we're going we're gonna to completely not live like we used to. Because if you read Hebrews, here's what's scary, you guys. And this is, sometimes there are things that we learn from the Old Testament that if we don't practice in the New Testament, we're not under the law. It's just stories of things. If we keep living this way, we're going to experience some of the same things. Hebrews says the people who live in that critical, angry, mad all the time kind of place never enter into the rest of God, R-E-S-T of God. So could it be that sometimes people are so wore out and tired and frustrating is because they're not in God's rest? 
And all we have to do is repent and come back into lordship and say, okay, God, I'm not my own. I belong to you. So if you, if you read in this passage, it says uh, in Joshua chap, chapter 5 or 6, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because, uh, oh, wait, 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 that's, oh, here, wait, let's jump down. Uh, then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised, verse 7, up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. There's no war, no moving forward to take the land or really to take maybe the promises without God dealing with healing the heart. It's all connected to covenant. And so I'm reading through this, and I'm like, God, you're, you're after my heart. And you're after anything that I set up that is an idol. And here's what's so crazy is it was all hidden in pride. We, we hate that word in the church. It's like, we don't, no one wants to say that I'm prideful. No one wants to admit that. So how the enemy has to do is he has to kind of hide pride inside of us so that we don't see it. And pride will always focus on me. And here's what's so crazy is I have found that where the enemy lies and hides is in our pain. So for me, I began to just go to the Lord these last couple weeks and say, just unveil God. As ugly. And I'm still in the process. I think we'll always be in this process of healing because once the Lord heals us, then there's another layer. He goes, okay, I want to do some healing over here. Why? Because he wants a people who walk in humility so that there can be unity. Because if there's any place of pride that's focused in our pain, that's where the enemy hides, it's going to affect the whole body. Because when you look at that passage of, in Joshua with the Israelites, it affected the whole camp. So yes, this week I was confronted with some things in my, by someone who loved me, and I had to either get angry and get prideful or take the correction and walk in humility. And I went to the Lord, and I repented to the Lord, and I said, unveil my heart. God, show me where, where I'm in charge of me, and you're not in charge of me, and it's rooted in pain. And lovingly, you know, the person that talked to me did it in such a loving way. See, that's what's so crazy. The church, in the past, American church sometimes, let me, let me, not, let me take the church out because I want to be careful of the word I received. Let's use the religious spirit instead. It's a better word. Better word? Is that okay? Okay. Because I think the church has been held captive by a religious spirit, sometimes prisoner. And religious spirit has no mercy in it. It has to offer grace because of the cross of Jesus. But, you know, grace is, is forgiving someone... Um, not giving, let's see, grace is giving someone something they don't deserve. Mercy is not giving them what they do deserve. And that's where the religious spirit 
wants to hold people hostage through judgment. Why am I sharing this? Because in the book of what we just read, Joshua, when they're going in to take Jericho, instead of killing all the people in the land, like we're not, we're not back in the Bible days, like people, when we look in the Old Testament, we see all the people that were killed, the enemies. Today, those are demonic spirits that we're after. Today, we want to redeem and rescue people. So could God be circumcising the heart of the church to take us in to redeem people into his kingdom that need a place where there's a lot of grace and people who walk in humility and not in pride? So could it be that God's saying, I got to start with the church before I can rescue the world? If there's going to be breakthroughs, somebody's got to break the window first. Could it be us? Could it be the pain and everything that God's stirring up that we sometimes, we got to quit always blaming the enemy? God's like, this isn't the enemy. Here, this is me. Because I don't want to leave you broken. I don't want to leave you hurting. I don't want you to idolize the things, make idols out of the things that you need so that they replace me. You're always going to need me. And what the world needs to see is a body of believers walking in humility, walking in love with one another. In fact, in Philippians, I love this. Listen to this, chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, of any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Not policing people. In fact, it's so crazy. I think what we have to look at when we look at people that are hurting and broken, even in the church, is not what is it they're doing wrong? What's missing? What's missing? Is there a revelation that's missing? Is there a word of exhortation? Is there something that needs to be given to bring? If we're going to partner with God, we're going to bring healing, not judgment, criticism, or condemnation. But how do we become a source of healing? At Life Group a couple weeks ago, this phrase came to me. It said, and I wrote it down. We've talked about it last week. And it's basically direction without connection reinforces rejection. The world tries to give, or the church tries to give the world direction instead of connecting them with Jesus. Sometimes even in our own families and even in the church, in the, in the church family, we have to first, when people are really hurting, we have to first make connection before there can be any kind of direction. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't Jesus like feed, heal, touch, love, walk with people? And then after he made connection and they were like, who are you? He would say, go and sin no more. 
oh my gosh, that's such a better way to do it because then when the person does screw up and sin, they know that you're going to value connection more than they did the mistake. The religious spirit will always focus on the failure. Conviction will always focus back on reconnection with the Father. You're not in lordship. Lordship is not lording things over you. I don't, even though he is the Lord. Lordship is you've stepped out of his kingdom, the king's domain. So God's exposing things in our heart. For some of us, maybe it was two weeks ago, there was some exposure. Maybe two months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe like five years ago, there were some things you walked through. I know people in this church, there's been seasons God's exposed different people in this church, and we've had to come around at times and love people through the journey that they're on. Sometimes the easy thing to do is just, and this is sometimes where churches have missed it, when people are at their most vulnerable place and their most broken place, that's when we need to surround them the tightest. And I want to say this church does that well. So the message is a two-part message that I want us to understand. I think the season that we're in, where it feels like, where's God? What about all the things he said? Why does church sometimes feel rote, like we just keep doing the same thing? All these questions in our head, everything going on with the nation, everything, all these questions, and, we're, and part of it is we're, we're so, we're, we're getting so caught up in maybe the, the destination or what we're not seeing or what we heard, heard God say, the promise, instead of what's he doing in the journey right now with me? Why do I feel like he's exposing this stuff in me? Because he's after a root. And, and I want to encourage you, Go in your time with the Lord. We get afraid sometimes when there's pain. I used to run from pain. In fact, my little my, my, my son, Caleb, whenever he would get hurt, he would run and scream, and we'd have to chase him. We didn't, we didn't know what was going on because he would run. He didn't love the pain. Instead, okay, God, this hurts. Be honest. Look, this hurts like hell right now, God. You're going to have those seasons where it just hurts, and it feels like, where are you? I'm just letting this all surface. So let me give you an example of just, I think it was three years ago. I, I redid my deck. And before you judge me, I learned not to ever do it again in cutoffs or shorts. Because I'm crawling around on my knees in cat poop on the scrubbing the deck, cleaning the deck, getting it all clean so I could repaint it. Well, the next day, my knees kind of red. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Maybe because I was crawling around, and it kept getting worse, like infected. And it was getting bigger and bigger. So I'm taking Tylenol. I'm taking all that. And my knee just is like, I'm going, I think I better go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, and they're like, you are infected. So they put me on IVs. Like, I'm like, oh, this is serious, right? <laughs> well, they're filling my, my body with IVs, right? And, and, and I, I don't know if there's anybody out there, but I have what's called white coat syndrome. I know they're there to help you, but it's like, Anytime I go to the hospital. So I'm sitting there the whole time, and they're, they, they finally they go, we got to admit you, this isn't going away. My knee is like a golf ball. 
growing. It's all red. So they admit me in the hospital. The good news is when you have an infection, you get a private room because nobody wants to be around you. So they put me in a private room. <laughs> they put IVs in me, and, and everything is going along in the first couple days. And I'm telling the Lord, you're going to heal my knee. You're going to heal my knee. You're my dad. You're my blah, 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 blah. I'm claiming healing and rah, rah, rah. It's not working. So the doctor comes in and goes, we're going to have to do surgery. We're going to, have to open your, your, I think it's your derm, whatever that, that, that sack. We have to drain all that, that pus, that everything out, because the IVs can't keep up with how quickly it's growing. Like, well, can I just go home and can I just like take more? I'm like trying to argue because I don't want to go through surgery, right? And Shelly's trying to talk me into it. They're trying to talk me into doing this surgery. It's the best thing for you. It's going to take it out quicker. Bob, I'm laying on the hospital bed. Then I'm laying, and I'm talking to God that night. I'm like, I don't understand why I'm here. There's an infection in my knee. I've asked you to heal. It's just getting worse. Now they've got to go in. They gotta, and it's dead silent. I'm listening. I'm quoting all the scriptures, doing all the things. And the Lord says, I'm not just after the infection in your knee. I'm after the infection in your heart. Like, what infection in my heart? God goes, I don't like how you talk about yourself to yourself. I don't like how you blame yourself, how you criticize yourself. Many of you know my story. I was abused when I was a little boy, and I knew abusing people was wrong. So what I did out of that pain is I would abuse myself. And some of you might even do the same thing. I'm stupid. What an idiot. I can't believe I did. I can't believe I said that. And failures are really big. When you feel like there's a failure, it's like the world's ending. because you've let all these people down. And so you beat yourself up. So I'm laying in the hospital bed, and I'm just weeping. And a really weird thing the Lord had me do, he had me forgive myself and call out to Jack. Jack, please forgive that little boy inside. And I'm laying on the bed, calling, asking Jack to forgive Jack, going through that whole process of forgiveness like you would with someone else, but doing it with myself. And I just felt peace come over me and I just started to weep because my father cared enough about me to deal with what was in my heart before he could heal my knee. Did I end up going to surgery? Yes. And I'm kind of glad I did because the drugs were amazing. <laughs> I've never done them before, drugs. And I remember waking up after surgery, and I didn't want to wake up. And I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh, because you wake up to all this pain, right? And the nurse, she's being really sweet. She's going, honey, you have to wake up. You have family out there. They want to see you. I said, tell them I'm dead and put me back to sleep. I literally said that. She goes, oh, I can't tell them you're dead. There's a whole bunch of people out there. Pain is good. We don't like it. It's good because it tells us something's wrong. Never identify, never determine your identity based on your pain. Father is not focused on direction with you as much as he is connection with you first. Because he knows when we feel horrible, we run. You may not run outside, but you could run inside. And he's like, I want connection with you. It's always about connection. Everything with Father is connection. Connection, 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 connection. When you're in pain, 
is when he wants to come close. And sometimes he's the one pushing the buttons to expose the pain. Not because you and I are bad, because he wants to reveal it. My mentor, George, says, if God doesn't reveal it, he can't heal it. The revelation is where we get confused. Why is this happening? Sometimes he reveals it through your kids, through your job, through your finances, through your health. However he's trying to reveal it, ask this question. Kind of like Lori did. God, are you, like, speaking to me? I am. He's speaking to you. Always. Because he loves you. And there's always grace with Father. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that pain is an indicator that you're after something. Humility, Lord God, is our ability to submit to you and to one another. Because sometimes we don't see, Father, the root of the pain. And you work through your beautiful body to help identify pain. God, you want us to live above the line of mediocrity. You want us to excel and to thrive. The church needs to be leading in every area, but it needs to be leading in love. So we just release that over this house, over every person that's here. God, if there's any area of pain that you're exposing, we as a, as a family take authority over the enemy from lying to people. We rebuke the lies in Jesus' name, for the enemy is a liar and a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But John says that you come to bring life and life more abundantly. There is life, Lord God, and life abundantly. Thank you for the healing process we're all in, different, different places. We just continue to release your spirit of healing over your people, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So just hold out your hand and just take it from him, whatever he has for you. And it's always good. We just take it and we receive it, Father. Everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Stand. Give some people a hug and a love again. We did it. It's only 3.03. That was the real miracle. Have a great week. Love you all. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.